ETL Echo presents Quarter Life Crisis, an art and fic collaboration. Holding my breath, author, one equal temper, artist, Ectoheart. You can't be serious. The proprietress winces apologetically, scratching idly at the fine blonde hairs along her forehead. We're fully out. If I'd known you were waiting, I would have kept one for you. The curly-haired woman groans and crumples against the bar, her face coming dangerously close to the sticky surface. He grimaces at the thought. Merlin only knows the kind of fluids that have come into contact with the bar top at the leaky cauldron. Draco Malfoy watches carefully as the woman slumps to the side, propping her chin up against her fist, and pouts the landlady, Hannah Abbott, if he remembers correctly, from his year at school. He leans against the wall, just off to the side of the handsome wooden staircase, and for the first time in a long while he allows his nose and the prowling beast within him, to dictate his interest. A soft, powdery sweetness clings to the underside of his tongue, making his mouth water. It's an unusual scent, one that reminds him of something so peculiar, so specific, that the gritty voice inside of his head insists he seek it out. An olfactory memory. He recognizes the peaches first, sweet but tart, nearly cloying before giving way to acid, an endearing scent that makes him think of a nose twitching in annoyance, and slightly oversized teeth digging into pink, plump lips. It's familiar. He knows the scent from... somewhere. But it's combined with something unexpected. Underlying soft powder that keeps his eyes locked on the head full of curls, just across the pub, his thumb and forefinger brushing together in a self-soothing pattern. It's heliotrope. The purple tetracyclic flowers that grow in the garden surrounding the manor. It tickles his nose with its powdery floral scent. It makes him think of home and family. It scratches insistently at his hind brain with something that feels an awful lot like possession. Whatever it is already feels like his. Hannah, please! I'll even sleep in a closet if I must. There has to be somewhere you can put me. The woman tilts her freckled cheek just a touch more to the side and gives him a better look at the slant of her nose and the line of her brow. His eyes go wide as he sees, then, that the woman with the peculiar alluring scent isn't a stranger at all, but Hermione Granger a woman who has been a thorn in his side for more than a decade. With a soft thud, the back of his head makes contact with the wall, and he squeezes his eyes shut. Of course, of course, because the prowling beast within him is anything but easy to manage, to satisfy. Of course, its interest would be piqued by someone completely and thoroughly out of his grasp, out of any realm of possibility. I, I don't even have a closet, Hermione. I gave my last room to Malfoy. If only you'd have given me a ring. Maybe you've forgotten, Hannah, but the bloody flu is closed for maintenance for the first time ever, and the apparition is closed. I couldn't have rung you. If I could, I wouldn't need a room for the night. I mean, it's not enough to just stick up some posters a few hours before the closure. I swear, none of the people in the ministry know what the hell they're doing. The sly smile spreads across the landlady's lips. That's excluding you, I assume? Yes. Actually, no. Even me. The Ministry has this way of completely emptying the head of anyone who steps inside of it. I swear, Hannah, sometimes I haven't got a clue what I'm meant to be doing. Granger shakes her head and waves a hand off to the side. It doesn't matter. It's not your fault, but... You said you gave the room to Malfoy. As in... Abbott nods slowly. Yes, from school. Look, Hermione, I know how things were then, but I can't turn away business. And I certainly can't discriminate. Discriminate? The word comes out choked. No, no, gods no, Hannah. That's not what I meant at all. I just needed to know if it was father or 
sun. She trails off, and he watches as she peers around the corner of the bar. Suddenly, Granger turns quickly on her heel, eyes searching out into the pub. It's full, fuller than he's ever seen it before, with more than three dozen witches and wizards looking for a place to settle and wait out the flu closure. The leaky cauldron will make more than a few galleons tonight. That much is certain. For a split second, he considers disillusioning himself, but as much as he wills his left hand to slip into his pocket and grasp his wand, it doesn't. Instead, he stands there like a fool until he sees the exact moment her eyes fall on him. Draco shifts uncomfortably on his feet, as her eyes narrow with purpose. Or is it a glare? Malfoy! His back straightens, no longer slouching against the wall, and he watches with interest as she marches across the crowded pub. The sea of people seem to part for her, stools sliding out of the way as though on their own. She makes a beeline for him, and he sucks in a final clean breath before she enters his space. She stops in front of him, hands characteristically on her hips. It's almost as though nothing has changed since their school days. She still carries the same mildly offended, pinched-brow look on her face. Only now he notices her more delicate button nose, and plump, petal-pink lips, and the most darling smattering of freckles. She clears her throat, and his eyes refocus. I need a room, and I hear you have one. Straight to the point, as always. Granger? He greets, getting a hold of himself. I'm doing well, thanks. And yourself? Her eyes roll. Yes, yes, hi. Hello, Malfoy. I need a room, and you... She jabs her index finger into his chest. Have one. His eye twitches as she touches him. I do. Share with me. Yes, the beast pants. He, him, Draco, forces a shocked laugh and pastes on an affronted expression. What? Absolutely not. Oh, come on. Why the hell not? His nose wrinkles at her tone. She speaks unlike any Omega he's ever met. And she is an Omega. He can smell it on her, intertwined with her personal scent. They mostly all smell the same. Lemons, fresh and clean, but combined with her sweet undertones, it's more like lemonade. She'd been abrasive at school, though he suspects it was born of a sense of self-preservation. A girl with bushy hair and oversized teeth. A muggle-born who was completely new to the magical world, who was too smart for her own good. Perhaps it was silly of him to expect he'd settled into her designation. Perhaps her abrasiveness is just a part of her nature. Perhaps her nose isn't as sharp as his, and she doesn't realize what he is. I think that's rather obvious, he says, gesturing between them. I'm not sure I can look past our differences, and there are plenty. Don't you think it's high time we got over these petty house rivalries already? He laughs. She can't possibly be that obtuse. I promise you, Granger. This has nothing to do with our schoolhouses. Then what does it have to do with? She asks, lips thinning. Draco realizes then that in his exasperation he's been gulping down Granger-tainted air. His chest is warm, and the space underneath his tongue tingles. He's never been in danger of drilling down his own chin in his entire life, but he consciously swallows down the extra buildup of saliva growing in his mouth. Oh, I don't know. Perhaps the fact that I don't know you and don't feel like sharing my room with, with practically a stranger, an Omega stranger at that. Please stop being so dramatic. I'm not a stranger. You've known me since I was 11 years old. She holds her arms in front of her chest. You know, I didn't think you of all people would be so judgmental about designations. Although, if your track record is anything to go by... I've known of you, but I don't know the first thing about you. And you don't know the first thing about me, he says. Then, and I'm not judgmental, just cautious. 
for Merlin's sake, if you want to talk about Hogwarts houses, that pitiful Gryffindor bravery of yours is going to lead you into a situation you regret. Her jaw falls open. Are you threatening me? Pardon me for not thinking you'd be the type to take advantage of me. Just because I'm an Omega. Granger spits the word, her designation, like she hates it. He groans, raising his hand to push it through his hair. She's infuriating, just like she's always been, just like she always will be. And yet, and yet the fucking ridiculous prowling beast, the overconfident alpha prick inside him, is still chomping at the bit. Gods, he wants to teach her a lesson. He could just lean down, move her hair out of the way, and pinch the gland on her neck between his teeth in warning. He could press his thumb against the thumping pulse on her wrist. He could tuck her into his chest and squeeze her tight until all of the fight is gone from her. I'm sorry, he apologizes. I'm not threatening you, and I'm sorry if it felt like I was. I just don't think it's a good idea for the two of us to share a room. Even more so now. Something changes then. Her voice is soft and small when she asks, What kind of alpha would let a poor defenseless Omega go without a bed tonight? She pouts again, like she did up at the bar top. Her pink lips pushed out and eyes wide, like a weak, wounded animal. Like a pup. His chest aches and his hind brain burns with the need to do something. To make it so she doesn't look at him like that. To fix the problem however he can. He's practically choking on his tongue, trying to keep the words inside trying to stop himself from giving in, when she pushes her curls off of her shoulder and exposes her neck. His heart plummets before racing at an inhuman speed. Her two fingers graze the edge of the gland there, and he winces the moment his short nails puncture through the skin of his palm. His blood is sticky. Granger wrinkles her nose, sensitive just like his, and reaches out to grab one of his fists, working carefully to uncurl his fingers. It's as he thought. Red blooms in the center of his palm from four half-moon cuts. His breath hitches as she frowns and tuts softly, thumbing smoothly over the injury, wiping at the blood. Well, that was silly, she mumbles. Let me just... She brings out her wand and gently traces each small cut, her magic sewing up the skin until all that remains is a vaguely pink tinge to his palm. Her touch is soft and careful, light against his skin, but it awakens something there. When they make eye contact again, the beast is at the front edge of his mind, he takes one look into her eyes, feels the way her fingers gently touch his palm, and he knows he has no other choice. There's nothing left for him to do but give in. She's won. She won the second she called out his name. Yeah. Yeah, all right. He says quietly, pulling his hand from hers and flexing his fingers. Come on, then. Before I change my mind. There's only one bed in the room. It's smack dab in the center the dark wooden headboard pressed against the far wall between two nightstands. Everything looks clean and new, not like the pub downstairs. The flowered wallpaper isn't brown or curling. There's no rotting holes in the floor, and the curtains look dust and doxy-free. It's more than he'd been expecting when he'd paid for the room. Granger pulls her cloak off and sets it on one of the two chairs by the desk. He watches, stiffly, standing in place, as she wanders the moderate width of the room, peering at the furniture and swiping her fingers over a few surfaces. She seems pleased when they come away free of dust or dirt. I shouldn't be surprised, she mutters, brushing her fingers against her jumper. Hannah told me she was doing renovations, but when I saw the pub downstairs, I thought... Well, I thought maybe she hadn't started yet. Draco doesn't respond, too afraid of what will come out of his mouth. Harry stayed here once back in third year. He actually... She laughs then, covering her mouth with her palm. 
He actually had to, well, because of what he did to his aunt. A nerve in his cheek jumps, and he asks slowly, What did he do to his aunt? He sort of blew her up. What? Draco asks sharply, incredulously. He blew her up? Like she... she exploded? No, no. Granger shakes her head, still smiling. She didn't explode, more like a balloon. He inflated her. He said Fudge told him that it wasn't a big deal, and they put him up here. Not a big deal, he repeats, shaking his head. Of course, Saint Potter could do anything and get away with it. I suppose Fudge probably gave him some tips for the future, too? Of course not. It was simply before everything got serious, before allegiances changed. He tenses. It's clear what she means. It was before the Ministry turned its back on Potter. Back when they let him get away with anything and everything simply because he was the boy who lived, who had vanquished the Dark Lord as nothing more than a baby. It was before the landscape at the Ministry had changed, before his father had gotten into Fudge's ear and convinced him that there was very obviously nothing wrong, that Dumbledore was simply overzealous and wanted the Minister's job. He swallows down the bile that rises in his throat at just the thought of the old headmaster. Because he may not have done it, but he tried. Gods, he tried. Hands shaking, heart racing, sweat dripping down his back. He'd tried so hard to say the words. Words he couldn't even whisper in the depths of his mind. If he closes his eyes, he doesn't. He can see the old man's kind face, pleading, begging, not for his life, but for Draco to make the right choice. There's a light touch against his arm, and he clears his throat, shifting on his feet. She doesn't touch his skin, but the warmth of her hand makes something warm bloom in his chest. Granger stands close to him, too close, and he takes a quick step back. Sorry, she apologizes, wincing. Well, I didn't mean to bring that up. I just, uh, yeah. Harry nearly blew up his aunt, and he, he stayed here. I remember coming to visit him. It certainly didn't look like this then. Right, it's fine, he tells her, nodding sharply. He swivels his head around to find the door to the toilet, and escape, and gestures. I should probably go shower. She interrupts. Wait, wait, I just... I wanted to say thank you. Oh, yeah, sure, it's fine. He swipes his palm over his jaw. Couldn't, uh, couldn't leave you without a room, or a bed. You were right. He, him, Draco, grimaces. It's perhaps the first time he's ever admitted defeat. With a quick, quiet sniff, he inhales her scent and tries to ignore the powder that still sits at the back of his throat in favor of parsing out her feelings, but it's too hard to tell. He's too overwhelmed by her peaches and heliotrope. His fingers twitch, eager to grasp her wrist and learn the unsteady beat of her heart, to get some kind of insight into what she's thinking. He keeps his hands to himself. I just don't know what else I would have done tonight. I know I'm probably not making a lot of sense, but I... I just... I feel like I needed to be somewhere safe, she explains, cheeks turning pink with a blush. I mean, I mean, well, I guess I said what I mean. I'm sorry. She groans and shakes her head. I'm making this awkward. No, no, you're not. I, uh... He trails off and doesn't smile. He doesn't. Except he might a little bit, the corners of his mouth stretching up. I'm glad you feel safe. Here. With, uh, with... Yeah. Yes. He doesn't wait to hear what else she has to say, turning quickly and walking into the toilet. The door closes lightly behind him, and he flicks the lock before turning the tap on full. 
Only once the sound of water rushing into the sink is reverberating off the walls do his shoulders relax. Finally, a little bit of peace. This is a mistake. He knows it, but he can't bring himself to regret it. Not after she said she feels safe with him. Well, did she say that? She said she was looking for somewhere safe. A room away from the crowd downstairs. Not necessarily that he is safe. Maybe she's expecting him to just give it up, to let her have it, and be on her own. Perhaps he'll spend the night in the pub and let Granger have the room, drinking the hours away until the flu reopens in the morning. Anything to get away from the thick cloud of her scent that seems to be following him, even into the toilet. The shower comes on with a quick twist of the knob, and he tests the temperature and water pressure with the palm of his hand, washing away the remnants of her touch and her magic. His clothing follows, shoes and socks kicked off, trousers pulling on the floor, wand clattering to the ground with them, sweater and undershirt tossed into the corner. He's too wound up to spend any time folding at all, but does reach over to turn off the sink. The first spray of water onto his back has him groaning, low in his throat. The water pressure is surprisingly strong. The shower is big, big enough that he stretches his arms out, fingertips barely touching either wall. Two people could fit inside. The bed also looked big enough for two people. Now that he thinks of it, water pounding down against his back, muscles relaxed, mind running rampant with the thoughts he should put to a stop, they probably could both fit inside the bed. He probably doesn't need to spend the night downstairs in the pub. Surely they can both sleep in the bed together, and not even touch one another. He wouldn't, of course. He wouldn't touch her. Not unless she asked him to. Unlikely as that may be. But, well, she could ask. It was always a possibility. He wouldn't say no. He couldn't even if he wanted to. Saying no to an Omega is something he's had practice in. But as evidenced by his earlier uncertain no, that had quickly changed into a decisive Yes, he doesn't seem to be able to say no to this particular witch. Draco turns, leaning his head back under the spray and running his fingers through his hair. The soap is typical bar soap, and he lathers his palms before sliding them over his chest and his arms. Touching her would be nice, he thinks. Fingers drifting over the sensitive edge of his collarbone and jut of his ribs. But scenting her would be even nicer. Gods, breathing her in would be heaven. Just to slip his nose in against the crook of her neck and find the pink raised gland that has so enticed him. He closes his eyes, and takes a measured breath in through his nose, water droplets and suds sliding down his chest, fingers gliding down past his navel and below into the coarse hair that surrounds his... He holds his breath in his chest and slowly opens his eyes, looking down, 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 until he sees it, his cock standing proudly hard, thick and throbbing in his fist. His thumb twitches against the oversensitive crown, and he bites down on his tongue to hide the groan that's threatening to spill from his lips. Fuck, he mumbles instead. For fuck's sake. With a huff, he rips his hand away from himself and leans his forehead against the side, against the cool tile of the shower wall. Wrong. It's wrong, he tells the pushy voice inside his head. It's wrong to think of her like that, to want to do that to someone who hasn't asked him to. Fuck, he panics. What if she leaves? Drigger rinses himself off quickly turning the water to cold in an effort to will away his erection. It's not to check on her, though. No, just to... Well, it doesn't matter. He's been under the spray of the shower for long enough. He tries not to let his panic overtake him, tries not to let his scent grow muddied and sour. The only thing worse than her leaving would be if she barged into the toilet, worried, and saw how inappropriately his body was behaving. Because it's the other thing inside of him. Not him. Not Draco. It's the restless beast the unwanted passenger, 
The gritty, mean voice in his head that urges him to do what he wants because he is an alpha. And alphas are at the top of the food chain. It's exasperating to be so at odds with one's sense of self. He twists the knob in the shower until the water slows, then stops, and rests his forearms on the cool tile in front of him. He clenches his jaw in frustration, and he attempts to clear his mind. Pressing his fingers through his hair, he tugs open the shower curtain and takes the towel from the sink, wrapping it around his hips. It's quiet, he notices, without the shower or the tap running. He can't hear anything in the bedroom, and for a split second, fear overtakes the ounce of control he's holding on to. He panics and turns to the door, flicking the lock and tearing it open, head moving wildly, searching. Granger is crumpled on the floor in the fetal position next to the bed, arms wrapped around her middle. A low whine comes from her throat when she sees him, and she twists herself into the comforter that's been dragged off the bed. It's in a pile underneath her, along with both of the pillows and a collection of sheets. He frowns, eyebrows scrunched. His hidden brain knows what it looks like. A nest. But he, him, Draco, knows it can't possibly be. Please, Malfoy, she whimpers, curls and fringe tucked to her forehead. Please. And then it hits him like a brick wall, overpowering every other thought inside his head. Her scent is magnified, blown wide, overbearing, thick in the air and choking him. It's abundantly sweet now. Peaches and lemonade, syrupy on his tongue, ambrosial to his nose, cloying in the back of his throat. The powder is still there, floral on the end of a whiff, tickling, and so like what his sense of home should smell like, exactly what anything that belongs to him should smell like. She's in heat. Malfoy, please. How did he miss this? So preoccupied with himself that her blooming scent escaped his notice, terrified of making a mistake, concerned with her childhood differences, that the one thing he should have realized, should have noticed, he didn't. His reaction is instinctual. His chest vibrates and rumbles with the sound he's never heard before, filling the room. He tightens his grip on the towel that's still, somehow, magically wrapped around his waist while his heart thumps in his chest, and the voice inside of his head growls with rounds of, I told you so. Stealing himself, he takes a step forward, water droplets dripping from his body onto the wooden floors. She curls further into herself, clutching a pillow to her chest and middle. He sees how white her knuckles are from her tight grip, and takes another quick step. Malfoy! Please, wait, stop. The rumbling in his chest disappears and he stops. He holds himself unsettlingly still, eyes wide and chest heaving. He can't stop breathing in her scent, can't stop filling his chest. Will she taste like that, he wonders, when he drags his tongue along her perspiring skin. I'm saving myself, she whispers. For my, for my alpha. This time he whines, low and pained in the back of his throat. He swallows heavily, throat thick, and his heart stutters in his chest nearly to a stop. It's just as he feared. He's stuck in a situation where he has to test the extent of his self-control. But he's also confused. He hasn't scented an alpha on her. Just her scent. Just clean, sweet, floral, and now ripe omega. Just lemons and peaches and heliotrope and infuriating witch. But, but he knows it doesn't mean anything. She's a busy person, he thinks. Or maybe they aren't made it. That's always possible. After all, she's not exactly the stereotypical Omega. Fuck, he mutters, wiping a palm over his face. So, so you're in heat. She whimpers and presses the pillow tighter to her middle. I shouldn't be. I wasn't before. 
I don't know what happened, but... But I can feel it in... Her hand appears, and she rubs the flat of her palm against her belly. In here, it... It burns. He can't believe this. Can't understand how she didn't know. What Omega doesn't know when they're about to go into heat? They come like clockwork, do they not? They're supposed to prepare for this. They're supposed to take time off work and nest and make sure they have food and water and, if they so desire, find someone to help. He could help, if she wanted. All right, he mumbles. All right, so I'll go. I'll just... I'll go. No! No! She shouts, eyes wide and head turning to look at him. No, no, please, Alfred, don't go! Don't, he grits his teeth. Don't call me that, Granger. Somewhere out there you have an Alpha, and I can't do that. Not to you. Not to... him, he spits. She scrambles up from the floor, pillow still clutched to her middle, and adamantly shakes her head. Her cheeks are flushed pink, eyes glassy and wet, and her entire body shudders. It takes every ounce of control that he can find to not reach out and tug her into his arms, to hold her there, safe and his. I, I don't, Malfoy. I don't have an alpha. Please don't go, don't go. Don't leave me like this. She sobs, bottom lip trembling. I just, I meant that, that I've been saving myself. I understood you the first time. You didn't. You still don't. Malfoy, this isn't my time for my heat. For fuck's sake, Granger. I don't know what you're going on about. You miscalculated. I get it. I'm going to go. You can have the room. Draco turns and starts back to the toilet. I'll let Abbott know that you'll need it longer than the night. It's a breakthrough. It's a breakthrough, Heat, and it's... It's your fault, Alpha. It's you. He stumbles when she pats her hands down on his back, her curls tickling him as she presses her face against him. She pants wetly onto his back and digs her fingers into his skin. Her nails are short but sharp, and he covers one of her hands with his own. Granger. Please. She bleats. Please, Alpha. He speaks louder. Granger, stop. She doesn't, continuing to rub her face against his shoulder blade, dragging her nose along his tense muscles inching towards his armpit where he knows his scent is stronger. She's whining again, practically bathing in his scent, and he is suffering. He's fucking suffering. Omega, stop. It comes naturally to him to give an order, even though it's the first time he's ever done so. Granger freezes behind him, and he turns carefully, allowing himself the pleasure of cupping her damp cheek with his palm. His hands dwarf her face, fingers curling into the back of her neck and into her hair as his thumb swipes just underneath her eye. Please, Alpha, she mumbles again, nuzzling into his palm. It's you, Alpha. I saved myself for you. He finds her wrist with his free hand and instinctually drags his knuckles over the swollen glam that sits just under the meaty pad beneath her thumb. It's swollen and hot, pulsing beneath his touch, and her reaction is instantaneous. She moans, loud and throaty, her head falling back as she bears the long line of her throat to him. Please, Malfoy, she pleads again. It's you. It's you, Alpha. It's for you. The rumble in his chest returns, and he squeezes her jaw tighter in his palm, disbelieving. For me? Yes, she pants. For you. You did this. Draco tilts his head down, 
closing his eyes as his nose presses into her forehead. Her skin is soft and smooth and her scent is potent. The only thing he can smell. The only thing he wants to smell. Her curls scratch lightly against the side of his face, and he drags his nose down across her eye, over to her ear. Did you save yourself for me? He asks, heart in his throat. Tell me, Granger. Her lips tremble and her voice is rough, but she whispers, clear as day. Yes, Alpha. For you. It's rare to be so driven by instinct. Rarer so to listen to that instinct, but it feels right. The Alpha inside of him knows what to do. It knows how to calm her with his rumbling chest. It knows how to soothe her with his gentle touch to the gland on her wrist. And it knows how to excite her with the drag of his nose along her jaw. In the back of his mind, he feels the towel around his hips loosen and fall to the floor. But he doesn't give it any attention. Granger doesn't notice. Her eyes still closed and mouth open, relaxing into his touch. It's easy, then, to scoop her up into his arms, hands beneath her backside and her legs wrapped around his waist. She goes easily and without fear, nuzzling her nose into the hinge of his jaw, close to where his own gland sits. Her lips are relentless, kissing and plucking the swollen skin. His cock hardens between them, thickening to the point of aching, pressed to her clothed belly. I've got you, he mumbles to her, chest filling excitedly with air. He can't stop breathing her in. I have you, Omega. He steps closer to the bed, but stops when she frantically shakes her head, whimpering and gesturing down to the floor, where her haphazardly built nest sits. Before he sets her down, he grips the back of her neck and pulls her face from his throat, their noses nudging and breath mingling. He looks into her eyes, honey-colored and sparkling under the weak lighting, pupils wide and nearing on unfocused, before surging forward and capturing her lips with his own. She tastes as sweet as he thought she would. Draco devours her mouth, manipulating her lips until they open for his tongue. She kisses back with a desperation he's never felt before, eager as if to climb inside of him. Her mouth is warm and wet, saliva cloying in its sweetness, and she drools down her chin as their kiss grows sloppy. So needy, he mumbles into her mouth, nose pressed into her cheek. Needy for Alpha, hmm? What do you need? Tell Alpha what you need. Her words are nearly unintelligible, too focused on keeping her tongue between his lips, on exploring the sharp edge of his teeth. Please, she begs again. More, Alpha. He is considering how best to press her into the nest when her teeth sink into his bottom lip, and she tugs, desperate for his full attention. He growls, or something like that, something rumbly and a little bit mean that comes from his throat instead of his chest, and she backs off immediately. Her instincts are as strong as his, and she seemingly had no choice but to follow them blindly. A delicate chirp comes from her lips as she buries her face down back against the crook of his neck. He shudders, growl instantly forgotten, stinging lip not even a memory. She is burning up in his arms, and he pulls her clinging hands away from his shoulders, stooping low until she slides back down into the nest. Her arms are up and hands grabbing at the air as soon as they're no longer connected. Draco wastes no time in thumping down to his knees and tugging off her socks. Here we go, sweet girl. He coos. The words come from somewhere else, some other part of him. The Alpha. The Beast. Let Alpha make it better. Oh, you're burning up, aren't you? Granger sniffles and nods her head slowly, fingers falling down to the button and zipper of her trousers, more of a hindrance than a help as he undoes them. As he pulls them down her legs, she starts in on her top, pulling it over her head. Her chest is heaving and flushed, the line of her bra cutting into the mounds of her breasts. 
a strap tears as he pulls it from her chest, too impatient to maneuver her arms. A thread pulls from her knickers when he hurries them down her thighs, calves, and ankles. Saved myself, she mumbles deliriously, her brow pinched. Saved myself for you, Alpha. An all-consuming sense of possession rises in his chest, because he knows it's true. This unattainable woman, this infuriating witch, this atypical Omega saved herself for him. He wraps his lips around her nipple and says into her skin, I know, sweet girl. Good girl. Good Omega. His fingers, pale with neat short nails, stand out against the bronze color of her skin. The curve of her waist is exaggerated, cinched in above the wide flare of her hips, the pouch of her belly. She looks so unbelievably fertile, so fucking breedable, and he reverently presses his fingers over the layer of fat that covers her belly. Draco traces down over the soft bump of her belly to the fleshy mound below, her mount of Venus adorned by dark curly hair. He likes it. He finds the Alpha likes it. She looks womanly below him, hips squirming and thighs clenching under his gaze. Chubby little cunt, he murmurs, cupping her between her legs. He pats her lightly and she gasps. So sweet for Alpha, hmm. But as his index finger traces down further, just pressing between her seam, just grazing the wet hot between her legs, she pulls her knees up to her chest and whines, not pained, but unhappy. Draco hovers over her and leans down, bumping his nose against her belly button and sucking a mark on the skin of her hip. No, she whines, fingers coming down to tangle in his hair. No fingers. Her skin is hot against his cheek. Just a little, Omega. Just to stretch you. Oh, please, Alpha, just you, your, just your cock. But you. He struggles, his tongue feeling too big in his mouth. He grazes the wet heat of her cunt with his knuckle. You. You saved yourself, sweet girl. Just let me. But she cries out again, twisting her hips away from him. Oh, fingers, Alpha, please. Draco groans and grips both of her hips in his hands, rubbing his face over her belly. The Alpha roars wildly inside of him, his chest rumbling happily, greedily. Gods, he couldn't even make this up. Couldn't think it in his wildest dreams. Couldn't imagine it in his most outrageous fantasies. As he lifts himself off of her, she surprises him when she pushes up on her elbows and swiftly turns herself over onto her knees. Granger buries her face in the pillow by her head and presses her chest down into the nest. He groans a little bit, rubbing his fingers over his sternum. There's an ache deep inside his chest that he can't figure out how to soothe. She wiggles her ass and the ache grows, throbbing, spreading down his abdomen to his groin. Help me, Alpha, she begs, her voice muffled. Please, Alpha, I saved myself. Please take me. His vision nearly whites out and he grips his cock in his fist. Fuck, Granger. Your god's damn dream. Her thighs are slick, droplets dripping from the gash between her thighs all along her legs. He lines himself up at her entrance, swiping the head of his cock through the dripping mess of her cunt. She whines high in her throat when he pushes in, walls gripping him tight, but not enough to stop him. She's so warm inside, so wet and soft, pillowing the rigid length of his cock. There you go, he coos, petting his hand on the length of her spine. He keeps pressing into her, slowly and inch by inch. There, Omega, sweet girl. Is that better? 
Does that feel good? Uh-huh, she cries. Yes, Alpha. It must, he thinks, because of the way she shudders, sighing into the pillow underneath her face. She wiggles again, pressing back against him until he's almost all the way inside of her, his hips nearly pressed flush against her backside. She doesn't wince or tremble, doesn't give him any indication that she wants him to stop or slow down, so he gives in for the second time in his life and lets the beastly voice inside his head dictate how he should fuck her, how an alpha should fuck his omega. Hard and fast, evidently. His strokes are long and heavy, their skin slapping together, his fingers grip bruises on her hips, one hand sneaking around to her belly to hold her there and force her back against his cock. He reaches down, his index finger pressing between her folds to roughly worry her clit. Good girl, he mutters, pulling back to look down at where he's splitting her open. What a good omega for her alpha, aren't you, Granger? She doesn't answer, and he leans over her back, grasping her chin and tugging her head up, until she's looking at him upside down. He squeezes her cheeks together, her pouty pink lips pushed out, and he kisses her mouth soundly. Tell me, Hermione, tell me what a good girl you are. He knows she can't with the way he's squeezing her cheeks, but she tries anyway, sloppily mumbling her way through it. A good girl, Alpha. The base of his cock tingles as he catches the line of drool that spills from her lips. It sticks to his hand, stringy, and he wipes it over her chin, groaning and pressing his forehead into her back. His knot is already swelling, just lightly catching on her entrance with every thrust, and he knows it's only a matter of minutes before they're locked together. Where should Alpha put his cum? He asks, pulling himself up. The nest is a mess underneath him. Where should it go, Omega? Inside, Hermione Keens. Inside. Make it better, Alpha. Please make it better. He ruts her, the tip of his fingers flying so fast over the hard little nub of her clit, gritting his teeth as she clenches impossibly tight around his cock, like a vice, unwilling to ever let go. His knot grows, swelling with each thrust. Each time the ridge of his knot catches on her entrance, and she emits a small, cute little huff. It's like all of the air is being forced from her chest each time he pushes inside of her and then her back arches, her shoulders tighten and her hips seize, toes curling by his calves and eyes squeeze shut as she comes, muscles spasming around his rigid length, trying to hold him inside of her while simultaneously trying to push him out. He sinks in one final time, his not large enough that any further long, diligent thrusts could hurt her. Instead, he grinds the tip of his cock into her cervix, small, jerky motions that have the base of his spine tingling and is not swelling and the rolling ball in his abdomen suddenly bursting. Take it, Omega. Take Alpha's cum. He grinds out, listening to the way she whines. Draco comes inside her, leaning over her body, covering her with his chest and his arms. He imagines his cum flooding into her womb, cooling her body from the inside. She breathes deeply, shuddering underneath him, and reaches back blindly for his hand. Carefully, he turns them so they're lying on their sides, still locked together. He wraps an arm around her shoulders and holds her close, pressing soft, closed mouth kisses to her shoulder and the line of her throat. Her curls are sweaty and a tangled mess, but he buries his face into them, breathing in her scent. He would have been happy with just this, just her scent flooding his senses, just the texture of her hair rubbing against his cheek. But for once in his life, the first time, maybe, the alpha voice inside his head is blissfully quiet. Their breath is loud in the room, the comforter in the sheets of the nest damp and messy. He doesn't try to pull away from him, 
doesn't shy away from his touch either. They simply lay there together, coming down from something both unexpected but wanted, he thinks. Granger? He asks quietly, carefully. She snorts quietly. A bit late for that, don't you think? Fuck, he whispers. I'm sorry, I thought. She squeezes his hand tight, still in her grasp. Stop, Alpha. Her body vibrates against his chest, and she brings his wrist up to her mouth, pressing wet, open-mouthed kisses to the gland there. His anxiety fades, and he presses his forehead against the back of her neck. It was for you, she repeats once more. I waited for my Alpha, and it was you. She turns her face to the side, doing her best to peer up at him. I just meant, I don't think you need to call me Granger anymore. He drags his fingers over her arm, up to her shoulder, holding his breath. Her scent is mingled with his now. Peaches and lemonade and heliotrope and oud and moss and smoke. It's too much. It makes him feel crazy, the way their scents come together. That she smells like his. Like home. Hermione presses a kiss to his wrist again. And I don't think you have to hold your breath anymore, either. Thank you for listening to this update in ETL Echo's Quarter Life Crisis. If you enjoyed this story and would like to stay up to date for other chapters and stories from ETL Echo, you can follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Spotify at etl.echo.audiobooks. ETL Echo. Echoing tales of enemies to lovers.